And we are live. This is Canada Hoops Daily Presents Wrap It Up Podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander, coming to you live as we do after each and every Toronto Raptors game. Bunch of places where you can find us live to break things down. Raptors lose this one 108 to 100, but it's okay. We're here to break it down. We call these therapy sessions, Raptors fans. And there might be a lot of these down the stretch, but we'll we'll break things down. We'll try to find, you know, what positives we can find, the things to look for, the, the, the things that need to improve. We'll discuss. We'll try to make it a productive conversation. As Raptors didn't really do much in this one as they lose to an undermanned Grizzly squad. 108 to 100. But again, this is a Canada Hoops Daily Presents Wrap It Up podcast live after each and every Raptors game. And you can find us and interact with us. Be a part of the show. Tell us why you mad after this one. A couple places where you can do that live after each and every game. We start on the YouTube page. Just search Canada Hoops Daily. Subscribe to that page. Like the video. Send in your comments there. Same thing goes for Instagram at Canada Hoops Daily. You know, follow that page, bless us with the like, all that fun stuff. And of course, the app formerly known as Twitter, at Can Hoops Daily. That's how you interact live with the show. Tell us your comments. We read them on the air. We discuss, because this is your show. This show is all about hearing from the fans, hearing from the people, letting us know how you feel, the pulse of the fan base, so to speak. And it's going to be an interesting one down the stretch here, Raptors fans. So you might have to get used to maybe not nights this bad, you know, because this is, there's no cutting around this, right? There's no beating around the bush. This is a pathetic loss by the Toronto Raptors. This might be the worst loss of the season. And I know that the Raptors lost to the Detroit Pistons and that ended the Pistons historical losing streak. I get all that. You kind of had an L because you made a trade and you didn't, you were kind of shorthanded. You know, maybe you had trouble, you know, dealing with the loss of the trade and all that because it was kind of out of nowhere, all that fun stuff. This game here, there's no excuse. You lose 108 to 100. And, you know, you can go through stats and read a bunch of stats and say what this person did or that person did. But it's like when you watch this game, especially from the get go, from the from jump the grizzlies just came out and punked the raptors the grizzlies came out ready to start this game the raptors did not the the grizzlies led wire to wire now jaron jackson jr is their only regular starter that is still in the lineup think about that for a second so you know the raptors obviously we know they've made trades your team is in transition right now You've made the OG trade. You made the Pascal trade. And you got a new starting lineup. There's no Jakob Pertl. We get all that. That's cool. But you're still talking about your team having Scotty Barnes. You have RJ Barrett. And you have Emmanuel Quickly. Right? And if you have those three pieces, also add in Dennis. Also add in Gary Trent Jr. Like regular guys that play. I would also say regular guys that when you look at who started and who got minutes for the Memphis Grizzlies in this game, again, this is a pathetic performance from the Toronto Raptors. And there's no real like beating around the bush about it. I will honestly say, other than RJ Barrett, 
no other Raptor really showed up in a meaningful way. Scotty Barnes's numbers, cool, you know, 22 points, 12 rebounds, eight assists, six blocks. Yeah, I get the stat sheet. That looks cool. But when this game was actually being played to start, like when the Raptors lost this game, Scotty Barnes was nowhere to be found. Scotty Barnes was making turnovers early on in this game, playing with zero aggression, not getting off to a good start at all. And that's really where the Grizzlies took this game and never really looked back. RJ Barrett, at least from the start of the game, everyone else was struggling. RJ was trying to go downhill, doing what he's been doing since he's come to the Raptors, which is get buckets and going to the hole. He was aggressive. He was going to the net repeatedly. He wasn't going to be denied. Everyone else in a Raptors uniform, and I mean Emmanuel quickly, whew, three of 13, eight points, Cool, you had 10 assists, I get that, but two of six from three. And again, a lot of this is beyond stats, right? Like anyone can sit here and pull up stats and say, hey, Scotty Barnes is the first Raptor to do A, B, C, and D, and all that fun stuff is cool, right? And you can hear all that and you can list all that stuff on. But going forward and what this team needs and what this team is going to be is going to be dependent on can you rebuild a culture, a culture that is defined by hopefully at some point winning, but you start that culture with playing hard. And I use the example of Dwayne Casey and pound the rock just because it's obviously familiar to Raptors fans, right? There's a generation of Raptors fans that only really know that pound the rock Raptors, right? They don't really know the, 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 the depths of despair of the Raptors teams before that and how much of a struggle it was to even get teams that would flirt with being 500. But what I'm talking about here is building a culture. And the reason I bring up the pound the rock Dwayne Casey culture was because that gave you an identity, an identity that no matter what you come into Toronto and you're going to at least have a team that plays hard, regardless of what the names are on the back of the Jersey the team is going to play hard. The Raptors did not do that tonight. And I think, you know, you can lose, you know, and, and the Raptors can try and save their draft pick for this season. And you can have guys on the team who, you know, are in transition. Maybe they're getting traded. Maybe they're not getting traded. So how bought in are they? And all of that stuff is fun. Like, I understand all that. Like, I get all that. But my point is the goal needs to be from the end of this season into the start of next season, whoever's still on this team, especially with your core, those guys got to play hard from the get-go. Like Scotty Barnes would do this here and there, and, you know, Pascal would be able to drop like 10 points in a quarter, and that would keep the wraps close. You know, like that would happen at times. Well, Pascal's not here anymore. And all the talk... You know, this isn't about calling out Scotty Barnes or calling out anyone on the Raptors. Really, what this is, is, you know, looking for an identity. And if you're not going to win games, you at least have to play hard. And there's no reason that you're looking at a team that's starting Aldama, Conchar, Kennard, another Williams Jr. What's this guy's name? This was a guy that was going at, at uh, Vince... Vince Williams Jr., that guy was punking the raps, and the raps were getting mad because he was setting hard screens. Really? 
but Aldama, Conchar, Canard, Williams Jr. Then you got like that team can't be punking the raps like that. And again, you can lose games. We're like Raptors fans. If you if you pull Raptors fans and you tell them, hey, you see the trades that were made, you got a bunch of draft picks, that's cool. If you pull them and said, hey, Raps are going to lose a lot of games to close out this season. Raptors fans are going to take that. But what they are going to be upset about is not coming out to play with effort. Because you can fill up your stat sheet and make your stat sheet look great, and that's cool. But like when this game was in the balance, like early on in this game, like let's use the example of Jaron Jackson Jr., okay? Jaron Jackson Jr., he's a solid NBA player. He's not an all-star, right? But he's a solid NBA player. But he is the only starter left on their team. Again, John Morant's out. Bain, Desmond Bain's out. Marcus Smart's out. Steven Adams is out. That leaves Jaron Jackson Jr. He came out to start this game, and he had six steals in the first half. One thing we talk about on this pod all the time are the stats that tell your effort, the stats that tell your hustle, you're engaged in the game and what's going on. Jaron Jackson Jr. came into this to start this game. And my guy had six steals in the first half, right? The Raptors were turning over the ball in that first half, eight turnovers early, 10 points came off those turnovers. And it could have been a lot worse if the Grizzlies, you know, were had better players. So let's just be frank about it. But this game, like, again, the Raptors to come out that way against this Grizzlies team, it's almost like they expected to win. Like, they looked at this Grizzlies team, and they're just like, oh, yeah, we can beat these guys. And this Raptors team is nowhere near in a position where you can be overlooking anyone in the NBA. At this point, after this loss, Raptors have lost seven of eight games, eight of their last ten. You are 16 and 28 on this season. You can't look at anyone. Like, if anything, you should be looking at this Memphis Grizzlies game on the calendar and thinking it's food. Like, this is where we're going to get a dub. This is where we're going to boost our stats and get a dub. And instead, you are getting blown out by the Grizzlies in this game. Like, the 108-100 score makes it seem a lot better than it actually was. And that's shameful. You're at home in front of your home crowd. And, you know, the crowds have been blah, right? And I get it. But do you blame the crowd after watching that game? Let's go through this. I want the people to send in their comments and questions because that those are my thoughts on it. You know, because listen, I'm sure people can accept losses and watching losses. And as I said, I want to see RJ Ball and we're seeing RJ Ball, but nobody else really helping him. And Scotty, you got to do your thing from the get-go, my dude. I don't know. I, I, if you're listening to this pod right now, as mentioned, all the places you're listening live, send in your comments and questions. I want to hear from you. We'll go through the game a bit. I'll break the game down a little bit, even though there's not really, you know, in these blowouts. No, you know what? Let's let's go through the game. In the meantime, everyone send in your comments, and then we'll go through and read those because I really want to know how the people are feeling because I think, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, People will understand the losses. Raptors fans will understand the losses as you rebuild and reload this team. But if you don't have like the way the Raptors as a small market, quote unquote, or not a the, the top tier desirable market that is, you know, the LA's and New York's and all that, where you're going out and just getting free agents, 
you have to build your culture on playing hard defensively, being hard to play against. I know everyone keeps running that KG and Paul Pierce clip, right? Talking about how, oh, the Raps are turning things around and they're going to be, you know, tough to play against. There'll be spoilers. If you follow that pod, KG's just regurgitating something else he said last week because what he was talking about was how the Raptors traditionally, year in, year out, no matter what, you'd come to Toronto and you'd be in a dogfight. You're going to Toronto, you think it's nice because it's a nice party and you're out the night before because, you know, it's Toronto, we know how things get down. But you find yourself in a dogfight the next day because the Raptors played hard. He was taking that identity and transplanting it onto this team now because you're thinking, hey, maybe that residue still exists. Well, let's be honest here, right? Who's still left? I know I went on the, the, the tangent in the last pod talking about how we keep showing the pictures of the championship core and where is everybody? And the only people left are Chris Boucher. And then your front office, Masai. So... Once Chris Boucher's gone, because there's rumors Chris Boucher's on the trade block, which, you know, we'll see how that goes. But you're talking about a culture. Where is that culture coming from? It's got to start from Darko. And what is the culture that you're trying to build? Because when you don't have the talent to match up with other teams, when you don't have the ability to say, hey, next superstar free agent that's disgruntled, we're bringing you in. When you don't have the ability to do that, you need to build a culture and identity that nights like this, when you're playing against a, like, Hey, the grind city culture, speaking of culture, look at Memphis tonight, grind city. That's their culture that they've traditionally played hard and they grind it out. And these are the kinds of players that they're finding and building their team through. Did you see how much their bench and Marcus smart and those guys were celebrating on the bench watching these guys cheering hard for these guys diving on the floor for loose balls. And the Raptors have like Thad Young's a guy on the ground for the Raptors. I don't know, man. I'm going to say, I'm going to say like, I'm bringing this up just because I saw Steve Perry, who I think is a GM is he, I forget his exact title is either GM or president of the New York Knicks. I think he's a GM, but he was responding to, the leaked story of someone in the Knicks front office saying that they've gotten rid of the softies in reference to Obi Toppin, Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett. And he was denying that saying that that's unfair to characterize those guys in that way. And that's not true. This sat in the third and okay, cool. But if you look at the way that the Knicks have built their team and the guys that they brought in, in terms of Dante DiVincenzo and Josh Hart those guys, they brought back Taj Gibson to get Burns, right? Those guys don't match the same profile as RJ Quickly and Obi Toppin. So I'm not calling these guys soft because I don't think they are soft. That's not, I don't think that's the case. And watching RJ Barrett play and how RJ's been playing, he doesn't strike me as someone that's soft. I'm not going to say that. I've watched too much RJ Barrett basketball to call him soft, okay? But what I will say, if you're the Toronto Raptors, and as you're building your team around those three guys, it's going to be interesting how you fill out the rest of your roster. Because a key part of the Pound the Rock team that people forget is the years that the Raptors, so it got started with the Rudy Gay trade, right? And you added more depth. 
But what depth on your team provides is competition. Competition in practice, competition for minutes, and that breeds accountability. My minutes aren't guaranteed if, you know, Kyle Lowry was the starter, cool, but he was being pushed by Lou Williams. He was being pushed by Grievous Vasquez. That happened. We watched that happen. And overall, that internal competition for minutes and crunch time minutes, right? Like, we were all there paying attention, right? Grievous was a key part of that Raptors team. Then it became Lou Will, six men, Lou Will, right? That's a battle for minutes. That's a battle for touches. That's a battle for accountability. You got to be on your P's and Q's because there's someone trying to take your spot and take your minutes and take your shine. But also you play hard. You play defense. And those guys, I just mentioned, those guys don't really play defense, Grievous and Lou Will. But they did enough to get enough minutes to help the team that when Kyle needed a boost or th the game got slowed for whatever reason, you brought on your bench, the bench started to come on. And then what did the Raptors do? They built that internally with their bench mob in Raptors 905. But my point is that this moment right here, as you look towards the end of the season, it's got to be about filling out your roster with players that are hungry, that are committed to playing hard, and have a mentality that, like, this is unacceptable. And I don't know what the post game is yet. You know, the quotes will come out probably as we're talking during this podcast. But I know I've seen the nonchalant Scotty Barnes before come out in the post game and be like, hey, we got to do better and we got to do this. Like, at some, like, the reason I will always rep Fred Van Fleet is because Fred Van Fleet was a dog. Okay. And what he didn't, what he might have lacked in quote unquote talent or ability. He made up for, and then some, with heart. He was a leader. He was someone who you know was in a locker room that deemed things unacceptable. Do you have that now in your locker room? That's going to be the question going forward, right? Because you got to build a culture back. Your culture, your championship culture is gone. Nick Nurse is gone. Pascal's gone. Fred's gone. I don't even know why you guys counted OG as part of that because he didn't play when they won the championship. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, this is a, a thing going forward where you have games like this against the Memphis Grizzlies. And there was a run in this game where Luke Kennard was heat checking deep dagger threes. And you had Aldama throwing down dunks and doing the two small sign. Come on, man. <laughs> what, what are we doing here? Right? Like, that That can't happen. And then y'all are getting mad because homie's setting hard screens? Because homie's playing harder than you? I don't know who that guy is, but sign that guy up because he could play on my team. That guy's playing hard. That guy's earning his minutes. I'm going to quickly go through this game. Sorry for that off the front end, but like, yeah. Shouts to all the people in the comments. I see the comments filling up, and I will get to the comments in a second. Let's just quickly go through this game. The Raptors start off slow, as mentioned. Uh, same starting lineup that they had for the last little while in terms of quickly RJ, Gary Trent Jr., Scotty Barnes, and Jonte Porter. Quick note, Jonte Porter subbed out of this game very early as you know the Raptors just came out with no effort, no nothing, and it was just... Not good. They put in Bruce Brown and not much really changed at that point. 
But to start this game, you know, you had no energy at all from the Raps other than RJ. He was the only life from the Raptors. Three of three early. Everything was downhill. He was getting out on the break, getting easy dunks. He was cutting to the basket, getting easy dunks. Thad Young checked into the game, able to find RJ on a backdoor cut. Raps were able to cut that lead to four. Thad Young then taking a charge. Like he came in and with more effort and energy than the majority of the team, not named RJ. Thad Young, right? Like there's your vet that's doing something, trying to lead by example. And the Raps came out of a timeout. They go on a 7 0 run. Bruce Brown with the three, Scotty with the huge dunk. But at the end of the day, Grizzlies led 30 to 25 after one. Um, Triple J had 16 points. Jaron Jackson Jr. Again, what we talk about, right? You look at the rest of your lineup. You say nobody's there. Who is the leader? Jaron Jackson Jr. started that game 7 of 8 with 16 points and 6 steals. And how many times in that first quarter did you see Jaron Jackson Jr. get the ball at the top of the key and blow by Scotty Barnes and get a layup? I see it in the chat here. Everyone's saying except for RJ and Scotty, nobody showed up. I'm asking Raptors fans to really pay attention to Scotty Barnes's minutes. And every time Scotty Barnes scores or hit a three, just look at what the score is. And ask yourself, is this a bucket to make it like is a game within the balance or is it like a 10 point game or eight point game or 12 point game? When I say RJ started the game off when it mattered, like the game is still close. It's the first quarter, right? Like that's when you need your Scotty Barnes to come up and put in work. Not when the game is like you're down 14 and he's hitting a three to cut it to 11. But, you know, Ali's up here. 9-2 run for the Raptors. Scotty, you know, starting to figure some stuff out, trying to get them back in the game till the Raps give it right back. This is the run I was talking about. Luke, this is a run that told me what is happening in this game. Luke Kennard back-to-back threes, part of an 8-0 run. He was cooking. Then you had the Aldama dunk where he's doing the too small selly. And I feel like there's a moment where the too small selly, I think, kind of like jumped the shark. And now it's 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 kind of slowed down a little bit, but seeing Aldama do like, yeah, I don't know. 12-2 run it extended to as Luke Kennard with more threes again from Luke Kennard. Timeout wraps as they were down 16 points before a three-pointer from Emmanuel quickly, who again really, really, really struggled in this game. Scotty Barnes, you know, at this point, too, it's a shot selection, right? And it's when are you taking these shots? Because realistically, you could come down the floor and shoot a three every single time. You really could because you're kind of open. And Scotty hits one, and then Kennard hits one, and then Scotty comes back, bricks in one, <laughs> and then Scotty comes back again, misses another. Now, I give him credit because earlier on in the season, he would keep shooting. In this game, he stopped shooting the threes and only finished one of three. And I'll give him that. But what I'm saying is it's like you're trying to get back in the game. You don't need the home run ball like that. Sometimes if you just feed the post, right, use your advantage inside because they only had Jared Jackson Jr. really down there. And you can do that. And you can get better chances, better looks inside. And if we're being honest too, like his three-point shooting 
isn't as hot as it was to start the year, is it? You know? As mentioned, though, Grizzlies led by 14 points in this one. Like, this it was just not good at all. At the half, we had a 53-46 lead there at the half. I didn't mention that. Heading into the fourth quarter, the Grizzlies were up 14. So the Raps just, you know, not much going on. It just wasn't good. And credit where credit's due, because I thought in that fourth quarter, the Raptors' signs of life came from Thad Young. Thad Young was diving all over the place, grabbing loose balls, getting on the glass, making good passes, cutting to the bat. Like, and that's Thad Young. I don't know, Raptors fans. I don't know. As mentioned, Raptors lose 108 to 100. They made it kind of close. You know, Scotty had some buckets in the fourth quarter there to keep it, you know, make it kind of respectable looking at 108 100. But the Raptors lose and they struggled in this one for sure. Tough one for the Raps as they now fall to 16 and 28 on the season. Jaron Jackson Jr. with 27 points. Four rebounds, five steals, six, sorry, four rebounds, five assists, six steals for Jaron Jackson Jr. Luke Kennard, five of 13 from three for 19 points. He also chipped in with seven assists. Um, Junior, or Junior, Williams Jr. with 18 points, 10 rebounds for the Grizz as well. On the Raptors side of things, R.J. Barrett, 12 of 18 from the floor for R.J. Barrett. I'm going to say that again, 12 of 18 from the floor for 29 points and nine rebounds from RJ Barrett. Another solid, solid game from RJ where everything is downhill. Everything is to the cup. He's getting tough buckets. He's not settling for threes. He's not settling for mid-range bad jumpers. Everything is aggressive and to the basket. RJ Barrett continues to shine for the Raptors. Scotty Barnes. 22 points, 12 rebounds, eight assists, six blocks, you know, six of 14 from the floor. And again, the stat line looks good. The stat line looks real good. But in terms of when this game was in the balance, most of the damage done, most of the stat line from Scotty Barnes, the scoring from Scotty Barnes didn't come at a meaningful time. Now, part of that, as we've talked about, because this isn't about piling on Scotty Barnes. Part of that is the fact that, as mentioned, with no OG and Bruce Brown not in your starting lineup, who's getting the top matchup? So you're asking Scotty to play defense and be a force, and with no Yak, also get on the glass as he had 12 rebounds, and he's doing that, right? Six blocks, obviously, he's doing that. He's doing other things, and that's massive. That's huge. But from the rap side of things overall, you need more from Gary Trent Jr. You didn't get much from him in this game. And Emmanuel Quickly, oof. Emmanuel Quickly, this is going to be interesting, right? Because he is one of the key pieces that you got back in your big-time trades of trading away OG and Pascal. We've seen flashes of what Emmanuel Quickly can do. Super fast, dynamic point guard, can score at all three levels. He's a great shooter, you know, great off the dribble. And I feel like, and I said this early on, I was actually texting back and forth with one of my boys in the group text that like, he just looks like he's thinking out there, right? Like he's not just playing, like he's not just playing free. Like there's too much, you know, I don't, and listen, we don't know from what Darko said pregame, 
Darko said that he's told them, hey, we just want you to play. If you want to take 10 threes, take 10 threes. I would not advise that because I, again, I don't think anyone not named Steph Curry should be taking 10 threes in an NBA game. But hey, I'm not an NBA coach, so they know way more than me. They got all the numbers. They got all the experience. They got all the stats. So I get that. But the point is that Darko is making is that he's encouraging quickly to just play free, to just do his thing. And he struggled in this one. Three of 13, two of six from three-point land. And there are just some real awkward plays. Like there were plays where he had an open layup and he just like kind of fumbled the ball because he was kind of in between. Am I passing it? Am I going hard for a layup? He had a play where he was on a two-on-one with RJ and he just turned over the ball. Like he just had some really bad plays and then missing like wide open threes, things that we don't see. We haven't seen from Emmanuel quickly so far. And the interesting part, to me anyways, and this is just my observation, right? I'm not saying this is the case. I'm just saying this is what I'm wondering. You know, he has 10 assists tonight and that's cool. I wonder if there's so much thought for him in like, okay, I got to be the point guard now. I got to be the starting point guard. I got to run the offense. I got to, you know, and he's thinking so much about, you know, getting everyone else involved. Do I do this? Do I do that? You know, instead of just playing free. And it's easy for me to say, but in reality, what does that mean? Do you know what I mean? That's like a feeling that's just going to come from playing more, having more experience, you know, getting more used to your surroundings and your team and the coach and the playbook. Because again, his role in New York was come off the bench and cook, right? It's, it's just a different, it's a different ask. And the ask here is a lot more and it's going to take some time and you're going to have some games like this. That's just the reality of it. And it's why coaching is going to be so important. It's why practice time is going to be so important. But he is one of the key things that you want to sit and see for the rest of this season and how this develops. Can he be your starting point guard going forward? And listen, all the talk about what's going to happen at the deadline, Bruce Brown, is Dennis Schroeder on the move? You know, Chris Boucher, all this talk, you know, and that's going to be tough for those guys, right? Because it's always going to be in the back of your mind as we get closer to the trade deadline. And, you know, Schroeder is supposed to be a calming force. He was okay in this game, but just okay. Bruce Brown, same thing, just okay. But it's his second, Bruce Brown's second game. I don't know what the expectations are there. And, of course, Chris Boucher, we talked about that. But the star off the bench is mentioned, Thad Young. 26 minutes, 5 of 8 from the floor, 12 points six rebounds, four assists, three steals, a bunch of Tommy points. <laughs> I guess, wait, are we in a generation now where kids won't know what Tommy points are? Hmm. Interesting question. Story for another day, maybe against the Celtics. All right, let's get to some comments here because there's a bunch of comments and I appreciate y'all for sticking with me, listening to, you know, my frustrations off the front end here, but I want to know what the people think. And as mentioned, you can do that. Join the show. Be a part of the show after each and every game. Three places you can do that on YouTube and on Instagram at Canada Hoops Daily. Like the show. Send in your comments there. Make sure you subscribe or follow. Same thing goes for on Twitter at Can Hoops Daily. That's how you interact with the show. Be a part of the live show. Sending in your comments and questions. Venting you know, to the people 
to the masses so that we know how the Raptors fan base is feeling. Also, too, if you ever miss the pod live, don't worry, we got you covered. As it ends up as a full episode on Apple and on Spotify, again, just search Canada Hoops Daily. This is the Wrap It Up podcast, a Wrap It Up Raptors after show. Let's get to some comments here. My guy Logan says, great loss, Shell. Need the Grizz ahead of us for our pick this year. Lots of talk about the draft pick, but listen, I, I don't know how that's going to go. That's going to be a super tough one, and I don't know how this is going to play out in terms of the draft pick because, again, the Raptors, if they finish in the bottom six, they keep their draft pick. If they finish out of the bottom six, the pick goes to San Antonio. So the Grizzlies, the Raps kind of leapfrog the Grizzlies here and become lower than them in the standings, which means, you know, better for you keeping your draft pick. I don't know. I think it's too early to be playing that game. But as mentioned, head to head, I guess will matter, right? Head to head will matter. So they split the season series, right? Um, Question here saying, are we tanking? <laughs> well, uh, I don't really know the answer to that. I, I did wonder that. I wondered if I missed the memo somewhere. I wondered, like, did they see a part of the Maasai presser that I missed? Because that effort was a very Tampa tank-like effort, except for the part where we were still playing our best players. Remember, the Tampa tank involved sitting dudes, right? Like Kyle, Pascal, Fred took turns sitting out games, right? Uh, we got a comment here that says, to me, RJ seems more emotionally in con in control compared to Scotty. That's interesting. Very interesting observation. I got to say that RJ all in all, I just feel like RJ seems so locked in. He just seems so focused, so locked in, and it's a complete opposite from everything that we heard from the Knicks fan base coming in because the consecutive games that RJ Barrett has put in since he's been with the Toronto Raptors is better than any stretch we've seen OG and Anobi play for the Raptors. Right? Like, find me the stretch that we've seen OG and Anobi do what RJ Barrett has done in the, what, 12 games, 11 games that he's been here for the Raptors? Even if you just look at the last five, 29, 20, 17, 26 24 have we seen og do that I don't, I don't think so i really don't so to me rj it's not even just about the points because again i feel like he's also rebounding as he has nine rebounds eight rebounds four and then eight rebounds and nine rebounds so he's also getting on the glass i don't know man i think rj is just he he's locked in he's super locked in and when you talk about leadership and, and where that comes from, I know that they've handed the keys to Scotty and, and you know, all the talks about Scotty being the face and all that fun stuff. Here's the thing though, right? Like I know we judge all that by who's in the commercials and who's in all that. If you don't think that next year, RJ Barrett is not going to be the one in majority of commercials. I mean, especially cause he's playing really well, but also because he's a Canadian kid. Like, Everything that you think you're handing to Scotty Barnes might not actually be the case. Because as we've said, RJ coming from the New York Knicks, who have never developed anyone, 
or find me the person, you know, instead of me making that a statement, I'll continue to pose that as a question. So RJ Barrett coming from the New York Knicks, I'm still waiting for someone to show me the New York Knicks player that that organization has developed, meaning they've drafted and turned that player into someone good, had them improve in the NBA. Find me that player, right? But now you're taking him and bringing him into the Raptors organization that we've seen countless players come through, develop, and become a lot better. So there's a world in which RJ continues to, like RJ is putting in work and everything is downhill. He It's like he understands who what his game is and the way that he's playing is just staking, sticking within his game. He's not trying to do too much. He's just getting the ball going downhill. Scotty Barnes, emotionally in control. Uh, someone pointed this out on Twitter. I'm not sure if it was that dude McFly, so apologies if it was and I'm forgetting. But someone on Twitter pointed out that Scotty is basically taking over Pascal's I yell every time I drive to the basket. I yell as if to say I got fouled every time. And yeah, I don't know. Scotty. Scotty, I will say, has done a good job of we haven't seen it this year and we've seen it in years past where he gets hit and then he's kind of hurt and he goes off the court. Like we've seen him just walk off the court and then all of a sudden he's back and then he's hurt and then he's back. Like he hasn't done that this year. So I'll give him that. Um, in terms of the refs, that's just a tough one. Right. And we know. The whole thing with Darko saying that he's going to be the face of the league and people are talking about Scotty should be an all-star. Um, all that talk about Scotty being an all-star is not going to happen if the Raptors are 16 and 28. I'll just say that. And he can't really be mad at coaches for not picking Scotty as an all-star if that's the case. But I say all that to say there's a world in which, you know, RJ is uh, the face of this team. And again, what does that mean? It really means like what I care about is who's the leader in the locker room, right? In the locker room, when things are unacceptable, who's calling that out? That's what you need. Uh, wow. Someone says, I can't believe we traded Pascal for Patrick Patterson 2.0. So, okay. So Bruce Brown is going to get, I'm assuming Bruce Brown's going to get traded, right? Um, the Pascal Siakam trade, I'm still seeing a lot of Raptors chatter upset about the return for Pascal Siakam. And again, I'm going to remind people, Pascal Siakam, you're trading for 40 games of Pascal Siakam. That is not going to be worth a return that you think it is. And would you have rather gotten Buddy healed? Right? Like, because you're just trading expirings at that point. So you would have gotten Buddy Heald, who's an expiring, who you're not going to re-sign anyways. So I'd rather have a first-round pick than Buddy Heald. No? Would you rather have... I'd rather have a first-round pick than Obi Toppin as well. So, yeah, I don't know. I find it interesting. In terms of Patrick Patterson 2.0, I'm not going to diss dude like that. Especially Bruce Brown won a championship. Um... Also says, respect to Chris Boucher. He played hard. Yeah, never mad at Chris Boucher for playing hard. At least he he brings his effort. I, I get why you know it might be tough for a coach to enjoy the Chris Boucher burn. But, you know, I'm not mad at Chris Boucher. 
Uh, what else we got? Uh, we got a comment that says, I miss Pascal. He always played hard. Yeah, of course. Like, you know, it is weird. I can't lie to you. It's super weird seeing Pascal Siakam in an Indiana Pacers jersey. Super strange. Don't know when I'll get used to seeing that. Like even watching the playoffs, it's going to be pretty weird seeing that. But the thing with Pascal, I think the thing that people miss about Pascal and the thing that people loved about Pascal was because he was kind of the epitome of that pound the rock culture that I was just talking about. Him and Fred are probably like the faces of that, right? Because those are guys that came up, they're unheralded players, unheralded prospects, and you come in and you see Kyle and Damar, you see the bar set from those guys, you see Casey holding them accountable. And so you know that you have to work hard. You have to put in the extra shots up after practice. You have to do that because that's what your stars are doing. And that trickles down to you. And then Fred turned himself into a key piece. Pascal turned himself into a key piece. And I think, you know, we got to watch that. So as I'm talking about watching the development of Scotty, watching the development of RJ and IQ, you know, you got to go back to the beginning of what that was for Pascal. And you get to see that again. But I understand why it was tough to see that with Pascal because you've seen how good he's become. So to see him go, it's tough. The other thing I want to bring up, though, is a lot of narrative about, you know, Pascal talking about, oh, he always wanted to stay in Toronto and he wished he could have stayed and, you know, making it seem almost as if, like, he couldn't have stayed in Toronto. When really it appears from everything that we've heard was that he wanted a max contract and the Raptors didn't want to give him a max contract. That doesn't mean that they didn't want him. It just means they didn't want him at the price that he wanted. Those are two different things. So it's just interesting as you see like the narrative of, you know, always Toronto, Toronto forever, all that. And it's like, yo, you could have still been Toronto if you just, you know, brought the number down. If you made, <laughs> if you made yesterday's price, still yesterday's price. <laughs> Shouts to Fat Joe. That's one of the funniest lines of 20. Was that 2023? Anyways, what else do we got here? If you watch this game from start to finish, you're a true fan. My eyes hurt. Uh, I tweeted out midway through this one. This game is so bad. It's going to make me watch Joel Embiid's stat pad. And uh, I have two TVs up. So I, I had the, the Sixers game up on the other TV. And, you know, as I'm mentioning it now, I guess I should mention Joel Embiid putting up 70 points in this game tonight. And, you know, that's a massive game. Like, I mean, 70 points, 18 rebounds, five assists. That's a monster game from Joel Embiid, right? That's an insane stat line. Credit to him. 70 points is crazy. At last check two. I saw that Towns was also going off. I don't know if that game's over. Hold on. Hold on a second. Towns, what did Towns drop in this game? Towns dropped 62 points in this game, and they lost to the Hornets. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yo, that's, that's hilarious. The NBA's a weird place, man. But Towns going for 62, Embiid going for 70. Um, so yeah, I mean, I did watch the raps game and, uh, yeah, that was a tough one, tough one for raps fans. So you got to watch Embiid celebrate and Nick nurse just 
put the battery charge in the back of Joel Embiid. Got my guy going out for 70 pieces. Nick Nurse. Wow. Guess he's doing something right. Uh, another comment. Grizzlies clearly have a culture, even if it's the role players. Yeah, totally agree. Those guys played hard. And Jack was right. Jack, you know, Jack was saying they're mad because these guys are setting hard screens, but like these guys are playing for their contracts. They're playing for their next NBA contract. My guy has to play hard. That's how he's going to be in the league. So, yeah, I mean, I like it. And also, what do you think it's like practicing against Marcus Smart? <laughs> I don't think you can practice soft against Mac Marcus Smart. What else we got here? On a positive note, we may get the first pick. <laughs> I don't I I still don't think the Raps will be that bad, but, you know. Again, who knows, right? Cuz right now the Raps are also still healthy. So, minus yak. And again, the other thing about we we keep talking about these stats and, you know, really need Yakupurdo. Yakupurdo isn't fixing all of this. He really isn't. Uh, what else we got here? Bring back Lowry. He won't score, but he will help give them direction. Quickly needs help becoming a starting point guard. I'm going to be honest here. If you tell me that you're going to make a trade with the Heat and you're going to send Bruce Brown over there and whatever other contracts, but you get an asset from the Miami Heat, meaning like you're telling me you're going to get a first round pick or maybe you're going to get one of their young kids. Hmm. With Kyle Lowry, you might be able to talk me into that. You might be able to talk me into that. Now, I don't know if that's what Lowry wants to do, but it's interesting. And I don't know how the contracts would work, but I feel like if you're telling me you're getting a first round pick, because Lowry's an expiring, but if you're telling me you're getting a first round pick, with Kyle Lowry, I mean, you're not getting Hawkes, obviously. You know, Jovic, you're not getting. You're not getting Hero. So I don't know what the, the asset would be. So I guess it would have to be a pick, I guess. But I don't see that as being a likely thing for the Raps. But who knows? Uh, we got people are agreeing with the Lowry. Uh, you can't build a culture from losing. That's true. But I, I will say that you're not building a culture through losing, but you're at least building a style of play. You know, the Raps at least played hard. Pound the Rock was demanding a certain level of play. You were only getting minutes if you played hard and you played defense. Uh, Darko has to use some of that anger he had for the refs with our players. <laughs> Oof. Okay, interesting comment there. Very interesting comment there. Yeah, I mean, Darko's still a coach in his first year, so who knows how he's handling this adversity? Who knows how he's handling, you know, this part of the team where you have a whole new team from the team that you started training camp with. So you're doing a lot of teaching with not a lot of practice time and it's different players than you started the year with, right? So this is all brand new for him as well. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that. But I will say it's a super important part of what the Raps are going through. Coaching, and you know, I'm talking about culture so much, this is kind of what, where it's going to come from. It's going to come from your coach, right? What else we got here? 
Fred came in challenging Lowry on his first day. Yep, we've heard them talk about that, right? Kyle talked a lot about how Fred came in and uh, Fred was just practicing super hard. He was ready to go. He was a dog from Jump Street. And if you remember, even during the that playoff, remember the Raps lost early on. I think it was their second playoff run with that squad where they lost to Washington. And Kyle was saying how much they really missed Fred. Fred was hurt. And Kyle was saying how much they really were missing Fred. Like the praise was there from early from Kyle Lowry, right? So as mentioned, right? Like that's just a part of building your team, building your roster. When you have a lot of guys and there's a competition for minutes, now you're you're holding everyone accountable. Nothing is guaranteed. You're not guaranteed minutes. You're not guaranteed touches. Nothing is guaranteed. And the Raps played like a team coming in in which they thought a win was guaranteed. It just wasn't. Here's a comment that says, RJ isn't soft. Love Scotty, but right now he is soft. I don't see the dog in him yet. I will disagree with that. And what I'll say is, Scotty's issue to me is more consistency. Right? It's like you see it in spurts, but you don't see it consistently. And you might see it in one game. Like sometimes it's game to game. Sometimes it's quarter to quarter. But for Scotty, I think you need to see that quote unquote dog in him consistently. Uh, Someone's asking, do we bring up uh, Marquise Noel to challenge IQ? He has the NY grind. I think, you know, keeping him with 905, maybe towards the end of the year, Closer towards the end of the year, you give him some experience, get him some reps up here. But I think as of now, it's better for him to get consistent minutes and gain confidence playing with the 905. That's what I think. Another question. These guys feeling themselves too much, trying to make fancy passes. You have to walk before you can fly. Keep it simple. I totally agree with that. I think, you know, that's Scotty style of game though, right? He's going to try the no look passes a lot. That's going to be what he does a lot. So I get that, but you know, yeah, there is something to be said about that at the same time, just finishing the fast break, getting the easy play, getting the easy bucket, especially when you're trying to get back in the game. Uh, when Darko, here's another comment. When Darko said Scotty will be the face of the league, he put a target on his back to all the young guns in the league. They're all about giving him and the Raptors the work. (laughs) I mean, listen, I don't know if that's the case so far, but I think no matter what, the reality is that once Pascal Siakam was gone, Scotty Barnes is at the top of the, the scouting report for every single team for the rest of the season. That's just what it's going to be. So if you're Scotty Barnes, you got to be ready. And the NBA, it's about levels, right? It's about, If you come into the league, you start doing well, well, then now you're on the scouting report and the league adjusts to you. Do you now have the work ethic and the counter to counter that? You know, because the looks are going to change. Scotty's got to figure that out. That's going to be the next test for him and Darko. What else do we got? You can see now. Oh, you can see now they are now that they are gone. Why Masai wanted to give Pascal, OG, and Fred with ac- adding Yakub a chance. I mean, yeah, Masai, 
credit where credit's due to Masai Ujiri. I think he had a super honest press conference last week where he discussed, you know, like he really, he was patient and maybe patient to a fault. He really wanted to give all those guys a chance. You know, he believed in those guys. Obviously he developed those guys. So he felt, you know, a certain responsibility to those guys to give them a chance. And he did that, you know, and he tried to give it a go and you could understand the world in which, okay, we get Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes can play right away. If we plug him into those guys now, how does that work going forward? Does that give them the extra boost that can be the next iteration of the team going forward? He had to give that a runway and let that, let see how that played out. Right. And it just didn't work. It was a risk and it didn't work. And not all your risks are going to work. Again, you know, you're talking about, and listen, people can say the championship was a long time ago, but still find me the GM in any sport that would have made that DeMar DeRozan trade, right? Because I bet you it's a very, very, very short list. Because remember, they won the championship. My guy got rid of the coach of the year and his face of his franchise brought in a rookie head coach and then brought in, uh, made a trade to get Kawhi Leonard coming off injury. That's a risk. So Masai has been here taking these risks. Not all of them are going to hit, but I think you're in a position now where you got three young players that at least can be a part of your team going forward. Right. But you also have these draft picks and you hope that right now in your ass, you're just trying to build assets if you're the raps. That again, because that's what they did before. You hope to hit on your draft picks and you build and build and build. And then you start cashing out. Then you start cashing out. That's a hope going forward for the raps, anyways. And I mean, you look at you look at a team like this in terms of the Memphis Grizzlies, and all you can hope for is that you start finding some of those guys to fill out the rest of your roster. Some of these guys who can come off the bench, some of these guys, Roddy and Jackson and the other Williams, even Tillman, like those guys come out and play hard. And I don't know if you can say that same energy was coming from the Raptors bench other than Thad Young, right? And even like the Raptors starters, didn't get much from Jonte tonight. Uh, Gary Trent, not much. Quickly, not much. Boucher, Brown, Schroeder, Grady, not much at all. Those guys were all outplayed by the dudes, as mentioned, on the Memphis Grizzlies. So yeah, tough one for the Toronto Raptors. But if we are going to look at somewhat of a positive, you got a bunch of days off now. Raptors' next game isn't until Friday when they take on the Los Angeles Clippers. Yes, Kawhi Leonard and company in town. And that will be a tough one. The Clippers are playing red hot right now. That squad, Paul George, Kawhi, James Harden, Russ, Norm coming back to Toronto as well. Like, I mean, that's that's going to be a tough one for the Raps. And if they think that, you know, it's going to be so Raptors if they come out and actually play close to the Clippers, right? But you got a couple of days of practice, which is going to be good for Bruce Brown. It's going to be good for RJ and quickly as well, and going to be good for Scotty. So you hope that with a couple days of practice, you get a better performance on Friday. And again, I'm going to remind everyone too, right? As mentioned, you're playing the Clippers. Not many are going to expect you to win that game. But again, I emphasize this. this the end of the season isn't going to be about wins and losses. You just want to see 
what the next iteration of this team could be. You want to see the potential of quickly Barrett and Scotty Barnes, you know, can quickly be your starter. Can you develop RJ and have his game take another level? Can Scotty Barnes be that face of your franchise? How does he fit into the pieces? You know, what else does Masai do at the deadline? Like that's what this second half is going to be way more than it's going to be about wins and losses. The reason why this game has been like an hour long pod was just because it's the vent session of the frustration of seeing a performance like the Raptors had tonight. You hope that you see better on Friday and going forward as there are still a lot more games to play. And yeah, hopefully you'll be here joining me on the pod as well because we are here after each and every Toronto Raptors game live and interactive, sending in your comments and questions, reading your comments and questions on Instagram and on YouTube, both at the Canada Hoops Daily page. Make sure you follow and subscribe in both of those places. Same thing goes for the app formerly known as Twitter at can hoops daily that's how you interact with the show live that's where you need to follow actually because there will be a lot more content coming from this brand soon so just stay tuned make sure you stick to our socials to find out all that information as the brand starts to expand its coverage as well into some other elements of canada basketball be that canada basketball players in the nba NCAA players, you know, WNBA players. There's a lot of different things that we got planned coming forward on Canada Hoops Daily. So make sure you stay tuned to the social accounts as well. And make sure you stay tuned here to what we do after the Raps game. This is a Wrap It Up podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander. And you can follow me on the app, formerly known as Twitter, at Shell Alexander, and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Uh, Thank you. And if you are following me, I know there's lots of other things going on too. We got the NFL season and the picks are up. Picks are go doing all right. You know, had a bad Saturday, but made up for it on Sunday. So hopefully you're following along with the picks there. Lots going on at the On Blast Podcast Network. So much going on. Thank you to the people liking and subscribing and supporting the movement that is because we just keep pushing. We just keep grinding. And, you know, I thank you. Because without you guys watching and supporting and liking and subscribing and all that fun stuff, we wouldn't be doing any of this. So I appreciate that. And it's important to me to let y'all know that. I see y'all. I read all the comments. I see all the comments. And I thank y'all so much. Because again, I wouldn't be able to do it without y'all. You know what? Is the truth. As I always say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Canada Hoops Daily Presents Wrap It Up Podcast. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya.